What is up, Filmalytics family? Welcome back to another episode of the Filmalytics podcast. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by my guy, Matt Nine. Today on the show, we have a special episode, one of our favorite episodes to do. It is our My Guys episode. We are going to tell you who our guys are, make the argument why you should be in on them too. But first, head on over to Twitter, at Filmalytics underscore all of our socials are at Filmalytics underscore, patreon.com backslash Filmalytics, and of course, Filmalytics.org. Don't go anywhere. All right, Matt, are you ready? This is one of my favorite, if not my favorite episodes, where we give our opinion, our research, our argument for why we are in on our guys and let the people know why they should also be in on them. Are you excited? How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Feeling excited. Season's right around the corner. You know, we've been, we've been, yeah, what is it? Less than a week now or no, right out of week. We've been nine days. We've been talking about players all summer long and rookies and scouting, watching film, crunching numbers, spreadsheets, writing. So I'm just, I'm ready to watch some football and just kind of see how it all plays out. Do you have anything specific that you're working on coming up here uh, as we get into the season? I mean, I know you're working on a lot, but. Um, I'm, I'm still playing around with my positional models. Uh, I'd like to have, I'm going to start doing a little bit more Debbie stuff uh, this year than I have. I, I have learned that the more aware or knowledge you have of college football can really help translate when it comes to the analytical side of as you know, the NFL guys, as opposed to just kind of waiting until they're rookies, if you can kind of track, follow them a little bit longer throughout college, uh, a deeper understanding of that. Um, got another My Guy article coming out this week on George Pickens. I believe will be one of the best wide receivers the league has seen in some time. I don't know. I guess that's about it. I, I'm going to write an article on Jalen Milrow. I think he's he's going to be the next great Debbie asset and future probably 2024 first-round quarterback. And then, obviously, my nine taxi squad stash guys. I got that article coming out later this week. I want to see what the waiver claims look like tomorrow. And then when we see a little bit more finalized 53-man rosters, then I'm going to give out nine guys that need to be on taxi squads and – I got to tell you, man, there's one guy out there that I have been pounding the table for for some time. Bummed he got cut today, but I don't think it's over. And when it comes to taxi squad guys, for me, I like picking guys that have a wide range of outcomes as opposed to guys who are kind of special teamers that did make the 53. Uh, And I think it's important to look for guys that have the skill sets that if given an opportunity, they can be successful. And I said this in our Discord today, which is free, by the way. Link is on the Twitter page. Just go hop, join that and hop in. Come chat with us. But guy like Tyler Huntley, undrafted out of Utah, needed one opportunity. Lamar Jackson got hurt. He got the opportunity. And now he looks like he's going to be a future starter for somebody here in the next year or two. So guys like that, those are the kind of guys we want to stash on the taxis. Yeah, I love that. That's a very underutilized part of dynasty teams. Those of you who have taxi squads and I love uh, if you're not aware on our notion, um, if you're a Patreon member, we do have taxi squad rankings as well, Matt. Uh, I love 
I just I love that, and I'm looking forward to your your Taxi Squad article. That's that's good stuff. Um, I have my DFS uh, draft guide is out. We're coming up on the season very quickly. I'm cramming uh, best ball drafts in here in this last week, and of course, I've got um, a DFS model and a bunch of DFS content coming in the season. Matt, let's uh, let's get started here. Let's uh, not delay this any further. Why don't you tell us? who your first my guy is. I've been talking about him for some time, and I don't know who was in on him first when he was at Memphis, whether it was Chance or Andrew, but I was lukewarm last year, and then this offseason I am in in, And I'm going with the Eagles running back Kenneth Gainwell, or Kenny Gainwell, however you want to, whatever you want to say. But I, I think he's primed to be the next, you know, legit pa- pass-catching weapon out of the backfield in this league. I, he has a chance to be a three, uh, to be a three down running back. Uh, he's reportedly put on size this off season up to two fifteen. We'll have to see whether that's true or not. Although I have seen some pictures, he does look bigger than he did last year. Like that much I can say just from, you know, comparing one picture to the next, but Nick Sirianni has been quoted many times saying that this was his guy coming out of the draft uh, last year. Gainwell only is, played one season at Memphis and he came in out of, out of high school as a quarterback. So he never played running back. They moved him to running back at Memphis. He plays one year there has over 2000 total scrimmage yards, over 20 touchdowns. And then he sits out the his, what would have been his redshirt sophomore year uh, because of COVID the 2020 season. So we only have one year of tape to go off of when evaluating Kenny Gainwell. His talent and tape and uh, analytical profile suggests to me that he's probably closer to a day two pick than a the round five pick that he was. So I think we have a little bit of a unique situation here with him. Running behind the best offensive line in the league, Miles Sanders can't catch a ball to save his life. He's dealt with drops. He was also really poor pass catching the ball while he was at Penn State. So that's not his strong suit. In comes Guinea Gainwell, which this is his strong suit. And he's also not bad between the tackles. I wrote about this in my article. You can see on filmalytics.org, all aboard the gain train. Uh, Gainwell averaged more yards per carry between the tackles than he did running outside the tackles. And that was last year when he was reportedly at roughly 200, 202 pounds or so. So this year, he's allegedly up to 215, bigger. There's been all this hoopla about... Uh, him in the preseason, you know, he, oh, he played behind Boston Scott in the in the second preseason game. He played in the third preseason game. I really don't care. I just, I don't care. If you want to look at the preseason as a whole, he only played two drives the entire preseason. So I think maybe that's a better way to look at it as opposed to being like he played in game two or game three. He did miss a week uh, of training camp with a hip injury. And he missed the first preseason game because of that. And then he came back and practiced all week for for the second preseason game. So I I think that's probably more to do with just simply getting reps because he didn't play week one with the starters. So they were like, you just need to get in there and get some under your belt. You you have to play some this preseason. Boston Scott, we know what he is. I think Kenny Kenny Gainwell is the clear and obvious RB2. I, I think he's got a chance to overtake Miles Sanders. In my article, I comped him to Austin Eckler in the sense that he doesn't need a lot of touches to be successful. Uh, 
if he can average seven to eight targets a game, as well as like seven to 12, seven to 10 rushing attempts a game, that's kind of that Austin Eckler area, which he's really good at limited touches, like 15 total touches a game. Uh, and he's what I think he was taken RB three in our mock draft, RB two in our redraft mock draft off the board, something like that. And he's also in the same offense that, that Shane, uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Steichen, Steichen. The, she was the chargers. That sounds right. Yeah, he was the char- anyway, he was the Chargers OC two years ago. Now he's the Eagles OC. He's got a similar player there in Gainwell that kind of fits that Austin Eckler mold. No, I'm not saying I don't think Gainwell is going to be as good as Austin Eckler, although it's entirely possible. I'm just not saying that. I'm just talking about the specific kind of role that is available for Gainwell to take advantage of. Uh, Gainwell also caught the first touchdown pass of Eagles training camp. No, I don't care that he caught the first touchdown pass that has no – predictive uh, ties to future success. But what it does tell me is that he's running with the first team. O from day one, right off the bat. So he's not a backup. He's a part of this offense from the get go. One of the other big areas that Gainwell uh, excels in is pass blocking. And again, I, I dropped some clips in my, in my article about this. He's good at uh, helping the tight end or helping the tackle with the chip block. And he's also good it's stepping into the gap, into the A gap, into the B gap, and and really handling a linebacker. I have a video in there that uh, a guy by the name of Thomas Peterson from Breaking the Birds broke down where he steps into the gap and absolutely just prevents Dante Fowler from getting through the hole. It was the first game of last year's the Falcons game, and Fowler couldn't get close to Jalen. And that, and you know, another part of that is that Jalen has that escapability out of the pocket that kind of helps with that pass pro. But regardless, Fowler couldn't get through Gainwell, who, again, remember, was supposedly 200 pounds last year. Uh, One of the other things that I'm really excited about in this, or as far as Gainwell goes, is his ADP. DLF RB48, Underdog RB47, ESPN RB54, Fantasy Pros RB43, Sleeper RB51. I mean, this guy is criminally underrated and if he doesn't hit who cares you spend a 14th round pick on him 15th round pick on him like you're not losing anything in dynasty if he doesn't hit who cares you traded you know a a third round pick for him or something like that or a couple threes or a a bench player but the upside is probably back end rb1 but i think a pretty consistent mid-range rb2 I know the Eagles are looking to bring in another running back just because of the health of Sanders. Uh, there's been talks of Alexander Madison. Sony Michelle was cut today. I feel like that's a pretty good fit. Duke Johnson was cut today. They're looking for a bulldozer type of running back. So whoever they bring in is not going to affect Gainwell's role because Sirianni has, has already come out and said that he's penciled in for the goal line in the third down in the two-minute drills with room to grow. So we know that's what Gainwell is doing. Sanders is just an in-between 20s, you know, ground and pound guy. And I think they're looking to bring someone on to be Sanders, you know, committee back because he's hurt. I mean, what is it? He hadn't practiced in the, like the last 11 days, something like that. I don't think he played. I think he played in the first preseason game is that, and that was it. So I'm not worried about the future of Miles Sanders. Uh, he apparently he struggled with some drops early on in camp. Past couple of weeks have been a lot better. So I'm excited for 
for Sanders or excuse me for Gainwell. And I really think he can blossom in this offense, especially in an offense that's projected to be top 10 in scoring. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people are really questioning or doubting Miles Sanders, but yet Kenneth Gainwell's ADP does not seem to reflect that. Right. And I think, uh, the other thing is just the the pass volume that we're expecting to see from Philadelphia, knowing that Gainwell is going to be on the field for uh, so many of those. I think, you know, I, I liked Gainwell a lot too last year. I know you mentioned Chance and Andrew, uh, the Debbie guys. I was really high on Gainwell. If it wasn't for Chance, I think I would have been the, you know, the Gainwell guy, but Chance just loved him so much. But Yeah, he did. I was really high on him too. Um, was a little disappointed to see him go in the fifth round. Uh, like you said, he he appears closer to that kind of second round running back, I think. But I'm wondering how high do you think his ceiling is? I, I know you kind of mentioned or made reference to the Austin Eckler situation. And, and I mean, we've seen what Eckler has been able to do, and he's not a guy who was projected to do that. I guess I'm just wondering – I don't know, like how high is Gainwell's ceiling? I mean, you have to assume that the ceiling is Austin Eckler. I mean, un- unlikely he gets there, but I think that's where you have to assume the ceiling can be because Gainwell averaged 4.3 rush attempts and 3.1 targets per last or per game last season. You know, I, I think when we are projecting just a natural development progression and you know the eagles wanting to give him an expanded role we can add on you know maybe double those eight rush attempts and six targets a game i i don't i don't think that's crazy that that's kind of what austin eckler is slightly under what austin eckler is averaging last year when he finishes the rb2 he was averaging 13 rush attempts and six targets per game so it's not far off as far as the usage goes and again the eagles o line is better than the chargers if Jalen Hurts can take that next step, you know, because we know Justin Herbert's good, that'll that'll help open up the the gaps and the lanes with the O line even more because people will have to respect Jalen. So, I just if all the if I, let's put it this way, if all the cards fall right, it's I think he is Austin Eckler. I think we're going to get that kind of production, but I think you have to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit because there is going to be a committee there. You know, Sanders is still there. They do like Boston Scott, even though he's not like a threat to steal touches. He's just, you know, part of the rotation kind of thing. So, and plus, you know, Jalen, you know, could pull the ball, you know, all game, you know, if he wanted to be just because that that's what the defense is keying off of. And then Gamewell doesn't see any of those. So I, I don't think RB2 is likely, but I think when you talk about a ceiling, like what's the ultimate range of outcomes, that's probably the ceiling, no? Yeah, I think that's fair. And, um, you know, I want guys with upside, right? That's what that's kind of what we're playing for here. And I, I do love his upside. So it, he's going on DLF as RB43. What are you trading to go get him? Uh, he's going around you know, Michael Carter is going as RB 42 who Tyler Algier is going as RB 41. I like Algier, but it's kind of crazy to me. that Gainwell is going after him. Uh, you've got some recent trades here on DLF. I'm just looking at He was swapped for Alexander Madison and one 
Uh, he was swapped for Romeo Dubs in another. Uh, I mean, the values are, are kind of all over the place. We have one that's Nick Chubb for Kenneth Gainwell, 208 this year, a 2023 one and a 2023 two. That's a lot of value for Nick Chubb. I think we got to be on the Gainwell side of that, yeah. right? Give me, just but, give me the one. Yeah. Give me the 23 one. Uh, but I guess, what are you kind of just ballpark? What are you kind of trying to, to give up to go get Gainwell? I think I'd give up a mid second, depending on what my team looked like. I, I definitely wouldn't give up a first, even though that comment might look stupid, you know, 17 games from now, if what I'm saying or what I think is going to happen happens. But I, I would give up a mid second comfortably. If it's anything higher than that, I would look to maybe make the deal a little bit bigger as opposed to a one for one. Yeah. I like that. I think I'd, I'd I'd probably give up an early second if it was a 2024 or I mean at that point you're not really sure of where these picks are going to land but if the 23 class wasn't so strong I think he could be worth an early second but with that class yeah that's kind of where I'm reluctant to hey let me let me ask you a question real quick and and for those listening in the audience you know kind of play just you know humor me play along with me Detroit New Orleans, Pittsburgh, and Carolina. What do all of their running backs have in common? Uh, they catch passes. The Eagles yep. were fifth in the league in pass percentage or running back targets last year at 23%. Fifth behind those, those four teams. One out of every four targets went to a running back. There is massive opportunity for Gainwell in this offense. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And that's one of the things you really have to have in today's NFL to be uh, a really high-end fantasy running back. I mean, just talked about Nick Chubb there. He's been one of my favorites for years, but he's not a pass catcher. And what he's been able to do just on the ground, that's an outlier, right? Most guys that have that role are not nearly as valuable as him. They need touchdowns. Pass catching... And touchdowns are are kind of the the key that unlocks that fantasy football running back uh, just elite level. So, uh, G- Gainwell, yeah. but he was fourth last year in route diversity, which is a chart that uh, a algorithm that Noah Hills came up with that kind of charts what kind of different routes running backs are running. And he was the ran the fourth, you know, most diverse routes, which is a good thing for running back. You want to see more diverse routes. You don't want to see quick screens or just, you know, little flats out of the backfield. You know, they had him lined up at wide receiver in the slot. Uh, The Eagles ran a lot of 13 personnel last year, three tight ends and one running back and Gainwell was split out wide. And he was the, the quote unquote wide receiver that would come in motion and the tight ends would clear and he would run underneath that did a lot of that against Kansas city. So, I mean, they're using him super creatively. Like, I get that he's a running back, but they're not using him like a running back. Yeah. I. That's music to my ears um, as somebody who has acquired Kenny Gainwell shares this offseason. So, um, I'm definitely in on Gainwell. I guess I don't know how in, right? I'm kind of – I'm not – as in as you, but I'm definitely buying Gainwell where I can. And and like you said, his his risk is pretty low at the price he's going at. So 
Um, I'm going to tell you another guy that I think has some risk as a player, but again, just going late enough where kind of take some of that risk away going as wide receiver 43 on DLF is my guy, Kadarius Tony. Of course you, Matt shakes his head and laughs, but I mean, if you've been following me, you know how in on Kadarius Tony I am, right? All of the signs numbers from his rookie year point to a breakout season in the making. He finished last year, again, as a rookie, 17th in the NFL in yards per route run with 2.13, 7th in targets per route run with 29%, and 6th in targets per snap, or hog rate, as player profiler calls it, with 19.1%. I just spoke about this. Um, Keep an eye out for Filmalytics debates. We're putting together some fun... uh, kind of short form content debates and, and Kadarius Tony was one of my topics. So go check that out. But I talked about these numbers are so important when we project a breakout because it shows how efficient and how effective a guy was when he was on the field, but more show more. So it shows, I, I mean, great players, they tend to command targets, right? The offense tends to focus on them and, and they're a focal point, right? Tony was that for the Giants last year. I mean, seventh in targets per route run in the entire NFL. That's really impressive as a rookie. So we know he missed some games, right? This tells us, hey, if he was on the field more often, he would have been a great fantasy asset. So if we're extrapolating that over the course of an entire season, you know, that points to really great numbers. So that's a great rookie profile to build off of. Obviously, we have to be concerned about these injuries, but I I quit trying to predict injuries. It's just not going to happen. Now, some guys do end up being injury prone throughout their career, but we've heard this with other guys. I mean, I think about Keenan Allen all the time. He was major injury prone, injury risk kind of guy. And, you know, he got he got it right. And and look at the value he's been over the course of his career. Some guys you know, it, it takes the body some time to adjust to an NFL. These guys are bigger, faster, stronger than they were in college. And, and, you know, it's a longer season. So it takes guys some time to really adapt um, and, you know, get their diet and training, right. All of that stuff. So I'm optimistic that Tony can stay a little healthier this year. Um, Another big ding of his is that the team drafted Wandell Robinson, but Tony played on the outside plenty last year and the this the plan really is Wando Robinson to play in the slot Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony on the outside Tony showed he can win on the outside he 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 put up a lot of great route running clips I always reference the Trayvon Diggs one but you just go back and watch the tape he was really good um in terms of his route running and and he can win on the outside in man coverage. So, you know, a a lot of people, as soon as the Wanda Robinson pick was made, a lot of people were like, oh, that's, you know, bad news for Tony. I think it's just bad news for Sterling Shepard, who's working his way back from an injury, because that's who Wanda Robinson's going to replace. I know that this uh, group, this staff is new. 
they didn't draft Kadarius Tony, but that doesn't mean that they don't like him. I mean, they have said repeatedly and repeatedly that they like Kadarius Tony. Brian Dable texts back and forth. They exchange music. He sends him music. He put Kadarius Tony's actually a rapper, of course, right? Cliche athlete rapper, but his music is not horrible. Uh, Brian Dable actually put it on during practice. So I kind of like the just the chemistry and relationship that they have going on there. And you know who else is a rapper? <laughs> Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. Yeah, Cole Beasley. <laughs> I have this album. It's actually not bad. Really? Mm. Well, Kadarius, actually, I do remember listening. It's a, it's a Brian Dable thing, right? Yeah. But, uh, he goes by Young Joker, I think it is. Like Joker, but Joker? I don't know. I'm not here to prop up his rapping. You can decide for yourself if you like that. I'm I'm just here to tell you, um, you know, how good he's going to be next year. Um, the other thing real quick is Brian Dable is inheriting him, but that doesn't mean he can't get the most out of him. Think about a guy like Stefan Diggs. When has he had his two best seasons of his career? The last two years that he's been with Brian Dable. Now, of course, that coincides with, you know, Josh Allen and just the Bills offense taking off. But a lot of that can be attributed to Brian Dable. And I think he's going to use Kadarius Toney in a similar way uh, that he used Stephon Diggs. I Love getting this guy at wide receiver 40, what I say, 42, 43, whatever it is. Um, if you take away a lot of this narrative stuff about Wandale Robinson and, you know, the red flags and some of the injury stuff, just the profile, first round pick, this guy's an obvious breakout candidate. Do you agree, Matt? I don't know. I okay. Don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I'm not in, but I'm not out. But I'm okay. thinking about shaking it all about, and then you turn yourself around, <laughs> and that's what it's all about. Uh, that's uh, that made me want to dance, but I should not. Should not do that. We have a podcast to continue. Tell me. I mean, tell me why. Like, I guess, are you concerned about some of those? I don't know, air quotes, red flags. The the route running is elite. No concerns. No questions. The injuries, I don't know if I'm calling somebody injury prone, but it's kind of like one of those things is like, you know, we've gotten to the point with guys like Paris Campbell and Miles Sanders, and we're not we're not there yet with Kadarius Tony, but we just gotten to the point with those two other guys who are just like, oh, he's hurt again? Shocking. And the n- next topic. Like nobody even right. bat- bats an eye anymore. And I don't, I don't want to get there with Tony, but I feel like that's the way it's trending at the moment. And obviously, that that could be, you know, Nick, you know, nipped in the butt right away. You know, we, I, I think he's practice limited today or yesterday. He's been out for some time now, and I know his week one status is is in the air. They haven't ruled him out or really ruled him in for week one, so he might end up missing the first couple weeks of the year, which is obviously not a great start. But again, for me, I, I just feel like I don't know. If if I'm in a startup at wide receiver, would you say 42? I definitely think it's something to think about. What what is some three? Whoa. What are some trades? Like what what is he going for? Like I, I don't know what it would take to 
to get him on my team necessarily. Well, I have him everywhere, so I can tell you what I'd be selling him for. That's a lot. I won't tell you because you wouldn't pay it. But probably, not. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't move him for. I mean, a, t- a twenty-three first is is juicy, but in general, I I wouldn't move him. Like I wouldn't trade him for a twenty-four first-round pick. Uh, and I get, and I also, I also get that Wandell's a slot guy. Like they're not really going to overlap on each other that much. Although Tony, you know, they could rotate them around because that's kind of what Devil does. You know, you play everywhere kind of thing. Keep the defenses guessing. There, obviously, as you mentioned, there's a big gap between Daniel Jones and Josh Allen. So I just wonder what the the target quality, the, the quality of the quarterback play is going to be this year. Uh, if he can truly break out, you know, I know we. We recorded our debate, and we had mentioned that Tyrod Taylor. There's been some chatter about him. Now, I don't. I'm not saying that because I think it's going to happen. But you know, it's been reported that Dabo likes Taylor, and if Daniel Jones struggles, they could turn to Taylor. And it's like, well, then what does it look like? How's that chemistry with? You know, is the chemistry there with Taylor and Tony? And then I don't. I don't know. I just feel like there's just more questions than than answers and i get that last year's profile was good you mentioned the targets per route run percentages yards per route run but the sample size of that's really small and i know that at least the, the studying that i've done especially when i we, we were working through this you know wide receiver breakout model a couple years ago and stuff like that i think that you want to see guys play at least what was it like 14 games in a rookie year even if they don't catch the ball they just need to be like active because then you know they're practicing, and it's. I think, I think it's guys that's missed less than that. Let me let me look that up real quick. So I guess my thought there, or or my question is, would you rather see a guy like Tony, who it's very limited, but when he's on the field, they are giving him the ball, and he has those numbers of how involved he was in the offense, or would you rather have a guy who's active for it's fourteen games, but just not as not very involved in the offense? Because I see what you're saying. So, I mean, yeah, see, like, I see what you're saying, too. But, again, it was like that was last year. This year, new staff. They added, you know, a second-round pick. So, I get that last year they were using him. Like, he was the, you know, the focal point. But I just don't know if it's going to be like that again. At least that heavily. But I guess because wasn't there one game he saw like 18 targets or something like that? Yeah, and and I don't disagree with that. But if – big if, but if he's on the field more, he doesn't necessarily have to see that volume because he was, he was so good when he was on the field, right? Like that volume is, is probably going to dip on a per-play, per-snap basis, but I think he can be better um, or or, you know – efficient on the volume that he gets and and still still you add Wando Robinson yes okay he's a second round pick obviously Saquon Barkley's gonna get his but outside of that they have just a bunch of guys at receiver like Galladay is just massively overpaid uh Sterling Shepard's talk about somebody who's hurt a lot he's hurt and you know it's just a lot of guys. They don't really have anybody at tight end. I like Daniel Bellinger a lot, but you know, rookie. Um, 
how many targets does Saquon take? Apparently, he's going to be heavily involved. Yeah, in the I think game. he would. But again, I think there's enough for Saquon to have a lot of targets, and then Tony to get his along with Wandell Galladay. So still involved. One of the guys that I absolutely trust the most when it comes to wide receivers, and I'm sure you do too, is Matt Harmon. We've had brought up his reception perception for guys ad nauseum, and and the magic number for success rate versus man is 71% or, or 70. I think it's 71, but it could be 70. And Tony last year is at 52.1. So if he is playing more outside, that's not a good number. Now he's really good in zone. And Harmon had this really good hour long episode where uh, there could be, you could find a little bit more predictive, you know, future success in those zone uh, percentage numbers. But when it comes to man, again, as you alluded to, you, you thought he'd be playing outside more. I I don't know if we'll see the consistency. And I'd like to say you see the year two leap, but again, he hasn't been able to practice for some time. So it's kind of like a lot is just going on, I guess, at the same time. Yeah, I find that interesting. Obviously, I, I trust Matt Harmon, so you know I'll take that, take that for, you know that he's he's correct. But player profiler has his win rate versus man just above forty percent, eighteenth best in the league. I don't know what the differentiator is in terms of how they evaluate or determine that. He was also fifth in target rate versus man. So, and target separation versus man, he was twelfth. So. Uh, I don't know. I find that interesting because that's a pretty stark difference. And just seeing the tape, I mean, I think he can beat man coverage, but Matt Harmon knows what he's doing, right? So uh, that's a fair concern. Um, let's just quickly run through some of these trades here of what he's going for. I'll, I'll tell you where I land on it, and I want to get your thoughts. Um, the The most recent trade shows Darius Tony and a 2023 second-round pick for Gabe Davis. A 23-second and Tony for Davis? Yeah. I take, I take, I take, I'd take Tony there. Yeah, okay. Um, straight across for Chase Edmonds. That has to be Tony. That's a... Yeah, but I also think that's, that's pretty roster-dependent. Yeah. Well... Like, if you have to have a running back... Just you because you don't have any. <laughs> but yeah, I see your point. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Kadarius Tony for Nick Chubb. It's a super flex league. Probably Chubb. Yeah. Just because it just, only because I think I can get more for Chubb. Really didn't have anything to do with Chubb. <laughs> just I don't like that return offer. That's a tough one for me. I I guess I probably lean Chubb too, but because Trubisky's a uh, a ticking clock, like Pickett's going to yeah. take that job at some point. So Trubisky means nothing to me. So it, in my eyes, it's Chubb for Tony, and you take Chubb. I think in that scenario. Yeah, and I think that one is a little. I mean, if it's a not like the the league I have Chubb in is standard scoring. So he he's a little more valuable, right? PPR, he's less valuable. So that one's kind of dependent. Um let's this one's interesting. Kadarius Tony and a 23 second for Damian Pierce. Because people are high on Damian Pierce now. But 
Tony and a 23 second. It has to be. Yeah. The, what the about pick. just what about just if it was Pierce for Tony straight across, Damian Pierce? I'd take Pierce. Okay. See, I'd take Tony, but I, I get it. So that's kind of let's do one more here. Kadarius Tony and Pat Fryermuth for DJ Moore. That is a tight end. Uh, tight end, two tight, end, whatever tight end premium. It's it's one of those where you can start one to four tight ends, and you know, Fryermuth and Tony for DJ Moore. Yeah, and a premium. It's like tight end premium. I think you have to take Fryermuth and Tony. Yeah. Do you think Tony has higher upside than DJ Moore? Or do you think they're See, really- that, that's tough because DJ Moore, like, what is it, four years? He's like only yeah. player ever with like 1,200 scrimmage yards in his first four years of his career, or something like that, or like one of three. He's in a really small group of players through the first yeah. four years. So, I that that's tough. He's just been bad luck with the touchdowns. Yeah, I'm excited to see him with, with Baker Mayfield. But if DJ think- Moore has 160 targets this year again and 1,200 yards and just like 10 touchdowns. I he mean, could, I mean, he's going to be like the wide receiver three. He's one of those dark horse. He could be like the, I'm not saying that he he is, or even stylistically, but like the Cooper cup kind of thing, right? Where it's like, he's been good. And then all of a sudden he has this season where it's just like, I mean, he could, cause he could be the wide receiver one. Like that's, it's, it's consistently good too. We're just waiting yeah. on touchdowns. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, one last one. Twenty twenty three second, just to give you that range. Uh, what do you you take in Tony or the twenty three second? The second. Mm. Uh, do you disagree? I, I would. I would do. I do the same thing with Gainwell. I don't know if I would be an early second, but if a mid second and to a late, then I'd probably take. Would consider Tony there. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I think you guys get the point on Kadarius Tony. Let's move on. We've got we've each got one more, and we kind of want to throw some honorable mentions your way. So give us your second guy, Matt. So my number two guy is if you know from the Discord, I'm really really big into George Pickens. Although he's going to be an honorable mention for me, just because I don't think his 2022 is going to be as good as this other guy's. I definitely think he'll have some boom games, but not enough that. I can comfortably say like you need to be all in on George Pickens for 2022 for his career. Yes. But for this year, eh, I don't know, but make sure he's on your team. But this guy, this guy named Nico Collins, this guy's good. And he's going to have a Pittman esque type of ascension this year into that top 24 wide receiver range. Uh, what what is there not to like about Nico? He's six four. He runs a four four. He's big. He's physical. He's fast. Uh, he's excellent. Uh, high pointing the ball. He has ridiculous wingspan. Uh, some of these preseason catches where he just absolutely powers through defensive backs. Like he really doesn't even jump. Like his strength and and arm length can just go get the ball without having to leave the ground. It's it truly is impressive. Davis Mills has said nothing but glowing remarks to say about him. Brandon Cooks is is nothing but glowing remarks to say about him. Uh, Nico Collins trained with Andre Johnson, uh, Texans legend, uh, Hall of Famer wide receiver all summer long. He wants to be the next Andre. He got firsthand training from Andre, which is 
big, big time. He added weight this year. He's up, I believe it was like eight or nine pounds, which is you know a big difference when it comes to a wide receiver, especially on a 6'4 frame. But he's also in a really comfortable system that he's used to. Uh, Pep Hamilton is the offensive coordinator now. He was uh, one of the wide receivers. I don't know his specific role, but he was in the wide receiver uh, recruiting department at Michigan when Michigan recruited Nico Collins out of high school to come there. So Pep has been following Nico Nico for a very, very long time, and now he's his starting X receiver in this Texans offense. Uh, Pep Hamilton was the offensive coordinator for Indianapolis in 2013, 2014, and 2015. In those three years, uh, the the Colts ranked 15th, 6th, and 2nd in targets to wide receivers. In receptions, they were 16th, 9th, and 7th. In receiving yards, 19th, 7th, and 3rd. And receiving touchdowns, 15th, 14th, 2nd. And PPR rank. Uh, PPR rank in this particular context is the entire group as a whole. They were 18th, 8th, and 3rd. So Pep Hamilton has a very strong history of wanting to throw the ball and throw it often. And he's always at the top of the league, always top 10 in passing offense. Uh, when it comes, like I said, pass attempts, targets, receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, PPR. So there is a huge opportunity here for Nico Collins. I think he's going to have easily over a hundred targets over a thousand yards He'll probably have that Pittman kind of scoring that, you know, six, four, five or six touchdowns. I don't know if he'll break into double digits. But again, I think we're following a career path similar to that. We brought up Matt Harmon earlier, and Matt Harmon has compared Nico in his uh, player profile to a poor man's version of T. Higgins. Well, we like T. Higgins. Most people have T. Higgins ranked as a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. Um, what was that other? The other, do you remember that? We sent that in the group chat uh, that he did. He is doing a player comparison. Yeah, so, quote, we're working on a player comparison tool at Reception Perception. I have no idea when it will be done, but I can't help but share this one. Nico Collins has some interesting Reception Perception comps, including rookie year A.J. Brown and T. Higgins. Corey Davis is also in there, Alan Rob, Alan Hearns, and Richard Higgins. So, the, the the comps that Nico was getting, the historical comps that he's getting is absolutely incredible. And I remember last year when I was in on Pittman, if you guys knew me, I was all over Pittman and everyone's like, no, don't buy him, blah, blah, blah. Not any good. You know, he's easily a top 12 dynasty wide receiver today that I, I believe. And he's on the verge of a massive breakout year. But again, Harmon last year said that Pittman is – is the next Allen Robinson this year. He's saying Nico's the next T Higgins. I'm kind of in on, on these guys early with Harmon. So I'm, I'm really, really liking Nico for 2022. Yeah. I like Nico a lot. It's it's, we talk about where these guys are going and, and player values and currently on DLF. Did you mention this? You know where he's going? 65. Yep. That's insane. I 65 mean, that's, that's crazy I, I think Pittman last year i think he was going around like the early 40s if i remember right like 41 42 when we were when we were doing this last year so nico is even further back i mean it just gets to a point when you're in your startup drafts or you're in your redraft drafts and you see the wide receivers left on the board and guys like you know last year Pittman, this year nico and you're like 
who has the potential to take over an offense. Not, not a lot. And these are some of the guys that profiles the guys that can truly take over an offense. I mean, Brandon Cooks is still going to get his, but he's also had 100 concussions in his career. Yeah. So again, not predicting an injury, but it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to see Brandon Cooks miss games. So yeah. I, and- I, I just, they extended Cooks though. His contract is super tradable after next year. John Mechie comes back uh, healthy after, uh, once he gets his stuff cleared up. I mean, it, it could really be Nico's show in less than a year. And if, Davis Mills isn't the guy. They're going to draft Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. If Davis Mills is the guy, great. He's the go. guy. We have a quarterback. I mean, this is a win-win here with Nico. Yeah, and I think Davis Mills is going to surprise some people this year. I think he's a pretty good player. I like Pep Hamilton, the references you made. It seems like the Texans maybe sort of have something here, but it's just crazy to me that he's going that late. He's the wide receiver, too, in an offense that's probably going to throw the ball a decent bit. He's a big guy like just even just like blindly looking at it he's a good value i think that's one of the things that people don't look at when evaluating players or offenses is that the texans are probably going to be at the bottom of the league and wins they're going to be in a lot of neutral game scripts meaning davis mills is going to have to throw the ball and at the same time the texans got to figure out if davis mills is the guy and you can't figure out if he's the guy by turning around and handing the ball off 35 times a game you got to let him throw. So negative game scripts plus them needing him to throw so they can figure out if he's their future. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity here. It would not shock me if the Texans are at the bottom of the league and wins, but at the top of the league and pass attempts. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you have to agree with that, right? That's, that's, that's good. Good news. And they don't really have, I mean, they're pretty thin even, you know, you mentioned they have Brandon Cooks, but, I mean, Mechie's obviously out. They don't really have, you know, Brevin Jordan has some upside, got Farrell Brown, but, like, there's just nobody on this offense that's going to command targets outside of Nico Collins or outside of Brandon Cooks. and Chris Connolly, I think, is a three. Mm, yep. But, but and, so and it could be really concentrated, though, is my point. Like, it could yeah. be like Cooks, Nico, and then some to the running backs, sprinkle in, you know, Brevin Jordan. and Davis Mills threw two touchdowns this, this preseason. Deco Collins right. caught two touchdowns this preseason. There you go. I am curious to see what he's been going for. Uh, let me pull it up here. Oh, gosh. The first one that pops up is pick 304, rookie pick. Oh Don't like goodness. that. It is incredibly frustrating to read comments sometimes about Nico. It's like, oh, he had awful college profile, awful rookie year. He, <laughs> scrub, stay scrub. I'm like, that's just yeah. not that's not how it works, guys. Come on. Quit the surface level scouting. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Uh, this one's interesting because it has two of your guys in here. It's Gabe Davis and a 2023 first round pick for Nico, Michael Pittman, and for some reason, Wayne Gallman's in there, which is random, but basically Nico and Pittman for Gabe in a first. Yeah. Give me Gallman. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta be in on Gallman. I I, I would take, I would see, I don't know because where's the first, you know? Yeah. 
It's like, where's the first? It's like, I would take Pittman for a mid to late first. But if it's an early first, probably not. Yeah, I agree. That's more context needed. And and Gabe on the other side, he's not my favorite, but he has upside. So you're getting that back. What about uh, this one? Uh, Antonio Gibson for Nico Collins straight across. It's crazy to see that, and then just know if, Nico for a third. Like, is that is that Gibson has fallen so much, or does this guy just really value Nico? I I think it's got to be that Gibson is is falling so much. But now, I mean, Gibson's gonna have a lot of that workload back to unfortunately Brian Robinson being shot. But I don't I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> that's that's very roster dependent. I think you know I don't know. Because like I, I get the the Gibson concerns, but again, back to back RB one finishes, like he's just not gonna turn to dust. Like that's yeah. not gonna happen. But the ceiling is obviously gone. But then I don't know. Think about it this way you have prime Gibson and prime Pittman. Who are you taking? You mean Nico or you mean Pitt? Wait, you yeah. said Yeah, no, no, if you have Michael Pittman at his ceiling. Or just today, oh, okay. and like Gibson today, you would take Pittman. And so I feel like a yeah. year from now, we might be saying the same thing because I think Nico is in those same footsteps. I think, you know, yeah, a year from now, you could be like, you want Nico, you know, thousand yards, six touchdowns, year, year, in massive year three breakout coming, or, you know, Gibson. I don't know. Probably yeah, these, these trades are interesting because it's like you look at it and it's like, yeah, like I might rather have Nico, like, as like more of a my guy, but we know that that's like you that's not a realistic trade. Nobody would make that deal, right? So you have Except to like this guy. Yeah, I have. I'm trying to move Gibson in a league, and like I would like I would be like, yeah, I'm interested in Nico, but like I would need more, obviously. Um, last one, real quick, because this is interesting. James Robinson for Nico Collins. Why are you doing this stuff to me, man? We both I know. I'm just finding the guys. They're here. They're just popping up. I personally for me, I would take I, I mean I'm in a league where it's standard scoring and so running backs are hard to come by. I think in that format, I still lean J Rob, but in a traditional like PPR league, I'm probably yeah, gonna take Nico. I think so. Yeah. I take both. Yeah, there you go. You can have them both, Matt. All right. Um, who's your more. Who's your two? Um, the 49ers RB1, Elijah Mitchell. He was... Not Jordan Mason? I like Jordan Mason. He's got, he's got some... Jordan Mason looks like a dude. He does look like a dude. He's a... Is he going to be on your taxi squad? Or is he kind of i don't know because because i have to sift through what you know future workload might look like so interestingly enough the niners kept trey sermon and cut jamichael hasty that's they kept five running backs yeah that's interesting to me because hasty plays special teams and shanahan used him a lot as a pass catcher on third downs i think wilson is going to take that pass catching i mean but he he's never used him that way. Wilson's been more of the kind of compliment to Mitchell, where he's more of the the bruiser. So to me, 
Mitchell might clean up more passing work this year. That's just kind of an instant reaction. I was not really expecting them to keep five running backs, including Trey Sermon, but more so than that, I mean, Mitchell was 12th in points per game last year as a rookie, as a sixth round rookie. Yeah. Sixth round rookie. Um, You know, Trey Sermon was drafted to be the guy and Elijah Mitchell just went and took that job. Uh, He received when he was active. What do you think, Matt? How many of the RB carries do you think he received when he was active? Mitchell? Yeah. For the Niners. Like what percentage of running back carries did he get when he was? I feel like we were looking at this. Wasn't it like like 82%? Wasn't it up there? 86, which is crazy. Um, But that tells me, I mean, we know that Shanahan historically has used multiple running backs, right? But 86% of the carries went to Mitchell when he was active. Uh, Shanahan, that narrative, a lot of it is based on injuries. You look back at the guys he's had a lot. I mean, it's been like, you know, Raheem Mostert, oh, he gets hurt. Jeff Wilson, oh, he gets hurt. Things like that more so than I think. And he will utilize multiple backs. But look back at his history. What happened when he was in Atlanta? They drafted Devontae Freeman. They drafted Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman was the earlier pick. He he liked Coleman a lot, yet Freeman won out. Freeman was a workhorse for the time that Kyle Shanahan was in Atlanta. I think Mitchell profiles similarly to Freeman. Uh, there's been a lot of talk. I mean, there's some quotes. I'm not going to read them all, but you can go look. Elijah Mitchell has been talking about, like, he knows, like, he has to stay healthy this year. Um didn't he just start practicing too? He did. Uh, but, you know, he, he's been talking a lot about like just being smarter in terms of, you know, the contact and, and things like that. We know that this is a run heavy offense. I think installing Trey Lance, you know, people look at it as, oh, he's a running quarterback. That's going to take away from the running backs. But not necessarily. I mean, I think this offense is going to be geared towards running the ball. And the other thing is when you have a running quarterback like this, think about the RPOs and you're a defender you know, you're an inside backer watching this, you kind of start leaning towards, you know, Trey Lance there. Like, uh, is Trey Lance going to keep this? You start leaning. That's all it takes, man, for Mitchell to get to the other side and, and, you know, have a big play. So I love, I love that idea uh, with Elijah Mitchell there. And he's really just a perfect fit for Shanahan's, you know, that outside zone one cut go type of running back. Um, he has, like I say, he has more potential for more receiving work than what he saw last year. Jamichael Hasty's gone. He was used a lot as a third down guy. I don't really see like a true pass catching back on this roster. Other guys are going to be used. I'm not, I don't think Mitchell's going to get 86% of the running back carries, you know, across the entire season this year, but he has the potential to be a three down guy. When you look at the other guys on this roster, Frankly, I don't think Jeff Wilson's that good. I might be in the minority. I think Trey Sermon sucks, man. Just did you see him in preseason? I'm sorry, no disrespect to the guy, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know why they kept him unless only his... because he was a third. What was he a third round pick last year? They might uh, try and trade him. Yeah, they might try and trade him. That's a good point. Um, I like TDP a bit. Uh, Jordan Mason, like those guys, but they're not there, right? Like we, we got to see it. We got to see more. I really think 
Elijah Mitchell, who frankly is going so late. Uh, RB24. I mean, not so late, but like if anybody else, like if you just blindly looked at this rookie running back profile and run first offense, Kyle Shanahan, like RB24, like why is he going there? He's going behind Antonio Gibson, who we just talked about. I get the talent and now Brian Robinson's out, but man, I think Mitchell, I think he could flirt with top 12 running back status. Am I crazy? If he stays healthy. Yeah. Because, I mean, I like I, we talked about this before with the Debo stuff. Like, I think the 49ers are going to be very low-volume pass offense. So, I think the opportunity will definitely be there for Mitchell to finish his top 12. But he's got to stay healthy. Yeah, he does. And, again, that's – you know, you can talk about it. It's different to show it. But at least he's, you know, he's talking about it. He's aware. He's making the effort yeah. to try to preserve his health rather than taking unnecessary contact. But I will agree with you. There's absolutely a pathway there for a top tool finish. Okay. I'm glad you agree because I, I just can't figure out why. I mean, I guess it's the health. And, and there's the perception that Shanahan is just going to switch, you know, change it up every year to a new back. I don't think that's necessarily the case. But I think that's the perception. And, and you know, I'll take the, this, the value. This offense could be a more creative version of what we saw with Lamar in his uh, uh, MVP season, his year two with like Mark Ingram. Yeah. As like an Elijah Mitchell with like, a, you have a running quarterback and uh, a primary running back and you just ground and pound with both of them all year. That's a good point. I like that comparison. Uh, that was Mark Ingram. He had over a thousand yards. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, 1,018 yards and 10 touchdowns. And that's yeah. the other thing. The perception is that these running quarterbacks, that the running backs are not going to score touchdowns. Actually, they score. It hurts them more in terms of receiving touchdowns. But rushing touchdowns, because they score so many on the ground, it just doesn't it doesn't affect them as much. So, um, Hold on. I want to see where Ingram finished that year. It was in RB11. Oh. So. Yeah, just, these guys can be so efficient when you have that that threat of a running quarterback. I don't, I don't know why so many people see that as a knock. I, I think it's great. Um, real quick, let's run through some quick trades before we hop over. There's a lot. There's a lot of crazy stuff here. Elijah Mitchell, Traylon Burks, and Dawson Knox for Saquon Barkley. I mean, you have to take the Mitchell Burks Knox side, right? I like no. Saquon, but no, I'll, you I'll take Saquon. Barkley. Yeah. Okay. I won't, but I like Barkley, but um oh wow. This one's two of my guys. Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, and Kadarius Tony for Devontae Smith. Oh, Elijah Mitchell, easy. How about um Mitchell and two eighteen this year for Rashad Bateman? 218. 218. Yeah, that's weird. 2.18. Why does it say that? Oh, is this? That can't be a startup. Is it 18 people playing a start? I don't know. It doesn't. No, it's. We'll just uh, say two, 208. This is a weird. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a 208 and Mitchell for Bateman. Two. 
a late two and a fourth. So Bateman, late two and a four for Mitchell and mid to late second. Yeah, I'll take Mitchell again. Okay, me too. What about just straight across? Would you take Bateman or Mitchell? Probably Bateman because of longevity. And then there's not a constant potential, you know, doghouse of rotation going on there. Yeah. I would take Mitchell, but I get that. I think that one's close. So, um, all right, let's, let's close this out here with just kind of a few honorable mention guys that we identify as kind of our guys, but, um, for, for other reasons had to be in the honorable mentions rather than are my guys who give us a name. So as I mentioned earlier, George Pickens, he's definitely my guy. Going to have an article coming out here before this season starts about him. I I think he's going to be just as good as, you know, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Maybe it's, it's too bold. I know somebody in our Discord has comped him to A.J. Green, and I think that's a really good ceiling. So I'll, I'm going to go with that. I, I think he's his A.J. Green level. He gives me Justin Jefferson vibes. Like, I don't. I don't know if he's going to be as good as Justin Jefferson, but for fantasy, he could be. I, he's just, I read an article today from, uh, from uh, what's his name? Ben Solak. He went to a Steelers practice and he, and he went and watched. He said, it just, it's just different watching George Pickens. Everything comes easy for him. One handed catch. The ball doesn't make a sound when it hits his gloves. It's just effortless. He just glides up and down the field. And so, I mean, I, I think this guy has truly elite talent. And I think people missed on him by, you know, just looking at the, at the analytics instead of watching the, the film as well. Cause you know, here at Filmalytics we do both. Yeah. We're combining film and analytics to bring you the best results. How about a Martavis Bryant comparison? I don't like that. I do. That dude was, I think they're very similar stylistically in size speed, but I know Bryant had his issues, but yep. um, yeah. Another- Pickens, I was just, gonna say, just when you watch it, like you mentioned it, but he's just like that guy. Like you watch him and you you just know, right? Yeah, every catch he makes is not surprising. Like the in the against the national championship game, he Stetson Bennett threw like a fifty yard bomb, you know, beat the Alabama corner, and he literally it was like five yards in front of him, and he just dove and caught it like it was nothing. Yeah, like he's just got sticky hands. I just it's so much fun to watch him. And he's got this bully mentality, like a true, you know, NFC North yep. or AFC North, you know, Steelers. Like, I think he had four. He put four defensive backs on their butts in the preseason this year by pushing yeah. them over, coming off the line. Like, he loves the block. Like, he thoroughly enjoys blocking. He, he like, he just loves every he aspect. He wants that smoke. He wants that smoke. Yeah. He's uh, all about it's it. Just, I, I, just, I just love that attitude. Uh, another honorable mention is going to be Michael Pittman, obviously. Massive year three breakout coming. Uh, with Matt Ryan, I think easily surpassed tops all numbers from last year. Uh, and then finally, Dallas Goddard wrote about him last year. I think I was a year early. Uh, Zach Ertz is now gone, can confirm uh, <laughs> out of out of out of Philadelphia. So it is the Dallas Goddard show. They paid him big money. Uh, all training camp, he's been the one B to AJ Brown. So I, I don't really think Devonte here is going to be the second second read in this offense or the second pass catching option, I think it's going to be AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard and then everybody else. So 
I'm expecting a big year from Dallas Goddard. I think a thousand tables is definitely or a thousand tables. A thousand yards is definitely on the table here for Dallas Goddard. A thousand tables. That would be a lot of tables. I mean, he could eat forever. Yeah, he could eat forever. I do. I mean, it's as much as I want to, you know, disagree with you and have some spark, some arguments here. I, I, I think we're really in sync with these guys. I Pickens is amazing. And I've been trying to get Pittman, um, in, in some leagues, I, I think I only have one share of each uh, Pickens and Pittman. Um, for me, my honorable mentions, Javante Williams. Uh, if you've oh, been following me at all, sure. you know last year he was he was my guy, my rookie, my guy last year. I was all about him before the NFL draft, not because I'm a Broncos fan. Even before they drafted him, I loved this dude, had him ahead of Najee he proved to be the truth. His contact balance is insane. He catches passes, he blocks, he does it all. Um, you know, the, it's going to be a timeshare for sure, but it is going to be flipped where now Javante's the, the one a Melvin's kind of the, the one B, but I mean, we've seen this story before, right? The young guy just is better, makes more plays too tough to take off the field. I think um, Javante, maybe it's a buy window with Gordon re-signing there because it's going to start out again, kind of like a, a timeshare, but I think Javante could be a league winner, just taking over the backfield in a good offense. And I mean, I'm not going to rattle off all his numbers last year. You can go check them out, but he was wildly efficient and productive uh, as a rookie. And he's, you know, like we talked about with Pickens as a receiver, you watch Javante, he's, you just know he's that dude. So um, he'll be a, my guy for, for a long, long time for me. But, um, the other one I would say is Elijah Moore. I really like a lot of these second year guys and I, he was a guy I liked as a prospect. And I thought he really showed it on the field. I mean, he, he was wide receiver three, I believe during, um, the stretch there before he got hurt over a five week span, I believe it was, sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but, um, the biggest thing is this offense is kind of a mess, right? And Zach Wilson looked bad and now he's hurt. You go to Flacco, maybe that's even better, but Wilson's expected to be back in, you know, four or six weeks, whatever it is. Um, so this offense is just a huge question mark. I think the fact that they drafted Garrett Wilson gave me an opportunity to go buy Elijah Moore at a more reasonable price, but he's established himself as the wide receiver one for the Jets that's the entire narrative coming out of camp is how impressive he's been and that he's really established himself as the wide receiver one there. Um, I really love Elijah Moore. And I think he's a guy that we could be talking about next year as, you know, a wide receiver one, two for fantasy. Um, if they can, if the jets can figure this stuff out, but yeah, they, they got to get a quarterback first. Yep. And that's, that's why he's more of an honorable mention guy. I just, with the targets, I mean, because they still have Corey Davis. I mean, Michael Carter's going to catch passes. Obviously, Brees Hall. So there's a lot of mouths to feed. Tyler Conklin had over 80 targets last year, yeah, too. Tyler Conklin. And that's that's just a lot for some an offense that doesn't have a distributor, right? You need somebody that can distribute that ball or else. Mike White. I thought Mike White was impressive last year. Not that he should be the guy, but I was thinking about how just the Jets, man, they're so unlucky. Remember how they fell into the second pick instead of getting the first one? 
they scored against Jacksonville on yes, like, sixty-yard touchdown. Or something. I do remember that. Like that's just classic Jets, man. Just don't do that, and you'd have Trevor Lawrence. But anyway, uh, what do you think about those guys? Not any. any I'm in on Javante. I was, I was with you. Yeah, you were the whole time. RB one for me in the in that class, twenty one class. Love Javante. Got him on all my teams. We're ready to rock and roll. As for uh, Elijah, I like Elijah Moore. Graded out really well in the wide receiver model. Have nothing against Elijah Moore. I have everything against the Jets. <laughs> yeah, everything against the Jets. And I get that it's the whole, you know, talent over situation. But it's the Jets, and they're historically bad. They have a ton of mouths to feed. They don't have anyone that I like that throws the football. I'm sorry, Zach Wilson ain't it. I've seen enough. He ain't it. Yeah. I mean, I never want to see a guy get hurt. But prior to his injury, his first three pass attempts in a game this year was incomplete, incomplete interception, and then a broken knee. Like that was the his first four plays of this year. Yeah. Plus last Pretty year. Rough. Yeah. And I know he's going to play this year, but I just feel like, like if you're the Jets and you get to the point at the end of the season, you're like, okay, we have we built off of nothing last year. What what do you do? Because you're still going to be up there at the top. The 23 class is loaded with quarterbacks. I mean, honestly, there could be like seven first round quarterbacks go. That's why you just got to cut. I look at these teams. Like, just what do you do? You just got to move on. You got to admit your lot, cut your losses, admit your mistake, and draft another quarterback. Because but, the Jets are building a fantastic team, and if yeah. Zach Wilson doesn't take a step, they're uh, they're going to be sitting. You know, a lot like I I believe the Seahawks. You know, the, the rosters are good outside of the quarterback spot. They're kind of similar, just in that. Like, I like Robert Sala. Um, uh, they have, I think he can provide stability. And the Broncos last year, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. The roster is good. They yeah, have a quarterback. Yeah, you have to at least have somebody that can distribute it, right? Like, I wanted them to go get Jimmy Garoppolo after uh, Wilson's injury. I think that would have been fine. Like that, he can at least distribute the ball and yeah. just. But yeah, they're. It's tough to see. That's where. Like I said, I bought a lot of Elijah Mitchell this offseason, but originally I was like, breakout, like he's going to have a big year. And I was just like, I, how do you get there? And you just, with those, all those weapons and nobody to, so love Elijah Moore, buy him, but expect him kind of, you know, I, I don't know, wide receiver three, maybe. It's kind of where ideally I, I can see top creep into wide receiver two. I can see top 24. I, I don't know about top 12, like some are saying, but top yeah. 24, I can buy. All right, Matt. Uh, any last words before we we head out of here? Filmalytics.org. Got a bunch of articles dropping here in the next uh, nine days before the season starts. Uh, putting our finishing touches on the offseason before we get rolling into the regular season. I know in-season – we're going to have our Thursday night previews. We're going to have our Friday DFS shows. What else are we doing? Oh, your, weekly, your weekly, weekly recaps. Yep. I'm going to be doing my Dynasty Outlook one guy a week. Going to give just a total breakdown on that player, You know what they look like uh, so far in the season, projecting forward into next season, and just kind of you know whether you should be in or out. Uh, and then pretty here – Pretty quickly here soon, like I said at the top of the show, Taxi Squad articles and uh, article and George Pickens uh, article. So, yeah, 
love the taxi squad stuff. I'm I'm looking forward to that. And and you mentioned that I'll have a, a Friday weekly DFS show in season. I'll I'll be writing the weekly recap, but also write some uh you know some written DFS content in terms of targets for the week and um to go with my DFS model and stuff like that. So I mean we have tons of stuff coming up this season. So head on over to patreon.com backslash filmalytics. Subscribe now. Uh filmalytics underscore on social media thank you for being here on the filmalytics podcast combining film and analytics to bring you the best results see you next time